When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. It's May 4th. Happy Star Wars Day, Mike. Oh, happy Star Wars Day to you, Zachary. Uh, you know, may the force be with you. Oh, God, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> These are not the droids you are looking for. Actually, they probably oh, are no. if you listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm excited to watch the Mandalorian behind the scenes thing. I'll watch that later. Uh, anyway, um, away from I, I, we could talk about Star Wars all day, which we have done on this podcast before, actually. But <laughs> we'll uh, we'll focus on the Eagles. Um, there's not necessarily anything that has happened yet, but there's a lot of things. I mean, since the draft, but there's a lot of things that can't happen. There's been a lot of discussion around the controversy around the draft. Um, the schedule release is coming this week, most likely later in the week. Uh, we're thinking we'll have a pod for you next week where we kind of go through the schedule and give our early predictions. We kind of do that every year on this pod. Looking forward to that. Uh, we don't know if we're going to be able to travel to those games which or even go to them at all, uh, but we're going to cover them the best we can. It's it's going to be a strange season. Anyway, uh, so the Eagles. So the last few days, I forget what day it came out. Uh, we should talk about the newsiest thing first. I think Derek Gunn reported that uh, he knows for a fact that Jason Peters wants to come back to the Eagles and that the Eagles are like really considering signing him back and Jason Peters, and this doesn't even need to be reported, but I think it's obvious he's not going to sign somewhere to be a backup. So that would imply that again, there may be their questioning Andre Dillard's ability to be their left tackle this year. Um, I'm curious, like what, what, what do you make of that news? We've had this discussion before. Like this is going to almost be a rehash of the discussion we had at the beginning of free agency when the Eagles were like coy about, whether they wanted to bring him back or not. But do you, do you kind of have the same feelings now that, that I mean, th- th- what has changed is the pandemic, obviously, which is a factor, I'm sure, in your answer. But does your feeling, is your feeling the same in that maybe they're, they just don't think Dillard is ready yet? Well, I, I think they've had time to really think about it, right? Um, you know, the, like you said, the only thing that really has changed is the pandemic and how long it's stretched. I mean, they when they decided to let Jason Peters test free agency, um, they probably felt like he was going to have a decent market that they couldn't match. Um, it turns out he hasn't. And really, uh, you know, having the extra time and, and going through the draft and going through free agency and seeing what's on the board and then saying to yourself, well, we've got a ton of leverage in a contract negotiation. Maybe we can get Peters back for $4 million. Um, You know, you look at that and you say, <clears throat> excuse me, you say, hey, you know, maybe the development from year one to year two won't be as predominant as we expected for Andre Dillard because we're not able to be there hands-on with him and help him train and give him that field time and, you know, build up that muscle memory and enhance his ability to play against the top defensive ends in the league. We know what Jason Peters can do. Jason Peters has been doing this for almost 20 years. He knows what he's doing. Um, So there's upside there, right? I mean, you, you look at going with the, with the guy, you know, 
can he at least play at a starter level? You know, maybe he's not the all pro or the pro bowler anymore, but a guy who's a proven starter who is still playing at a at least average starter level at left tackle, or you can go with the guy who was pretty up and down as a rookie in four starts um, who you feel like still needs a lot of development. And I think the answer is pretty obvious. You go with the veteran. If you feel like you have a Super Bowl contending team, if you think this team is just a playoff contender, I think it's time for you to go with the youth movement because you're going against basically everything you've said and done this off season by bringing back a 38-year-old offensive tackle. That said, if it were me, I would probably go with Peters knowing that the fallout of this could greatly impact Andre Dillard and it could greatly impact your your ability as a front office to be perceived as a smart drafting team. Um, it, it's a very weird situation for them. And, and it's kind of twofold because... On one hand, you have to think about the fact that, you know, this is going to be a topic in a lot of different ways, especially with young players, that there's probably not there's not going to be any in-person off-season workouts. We don't know what the deal is going to be for training camp, whether it will be a full one, whether it will happen at all, when it will happen. And so you ha- if you have a young guy like Dillard who got some reps last year, but all, by all counts has some confidence issues, it's it's going to be hard to get him ready. Like if the Eagles don't think he's ready right now, it's there's reason to believe that he wouldn't be ready by the start of the season because Jeff Statlin's not really going to get much on field work with him. And you you trust in Jeff Statlin's ability to get anybody ready, but in this situation, it's going to be difficult. And the, like you said, like the fact that like if Peters wasn't still around, this wouldn't be a topic. Like if a team came out and gave him what he was looking for, which by it seems like it probably was more than he was going to get. Because he what he, he made like six million for the Eagles last year. I'm guessing he was looking for at least around that, if not more, to be a starter somewhere else. Maybe he still gets that at some point. The fact that he's still available has the Eagles thinking like we'd rather protect Carson Wentz's blind side better than risk Andre Dillard not being ready. And and then if you decide to go with Jason Peters and and a guy in Andre Dillard who doesn't have the confidence, and this is only going to be worse for him. And then you wonder how it's going to affect him for 2021 and whether they try and get rid of him at that point, like. This is such a weird situation for something that like a year ago at this time, we and everybody else was just like raving about the fact that they got Andre Dillard, how he's this great athlete, how he's like the next mold of an Eagles offensive lineman since they've always got athletes. And and now all of a sudden we're thinking about a 2021 where he's not even on the roster. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is, this basically re restarts your development of the left tackle position. I don't know if I've seen a left tackle sit for two years as a first round pick and then eventually come out of it and become a really good player. I mean, maybe um, Andre Smith, who was a right tackle for the Bengals, he had kind of like a shaky start and eventually developed into a decent offensive tackle. DJ Humphreys for the uh, Cardinals kind of got off to a rough start as well and eventually kind of regained his footing or gained his footing, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not a good look. I mean, you know, this is a city where stuff doesn't leak a ton, but when it does, it's typically negative. And there's a lot of negative surrounding Andre Dillard, at least from a outside perspective view. And, and that's not good. That's not good. He's a guy who's coming from a small, you know, uh, town. He played in that small town in college and he's in Philly now. And you have to be a certain type of individual to 
play for a team in Philly. You have to be a certain type of individual to cover a team in Philly, it seems like. And you have to be a certain type of individual to love a team in Philly. And so I think, uh, you know, maybe this isn't the best fit. I'm not going to say that I've heard that they are completely, you know, whoops, sorry, uh, you know, done with, with Dillard. But I do think every, I think there's definitely smoke to the fire. And I definitely think the whispers surrounding Jason Peters have reached at least uh, inside voice level as my son uh, screamed in the background. Um, the, the, the weekly Brent cameo. Yeah, you know he's got to he's got to be noticed. He's like his father, but uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm talking a little bit in circles here, but it it seems like the Eagles have worked in circles with this situation. It's like one second, you know, they don't need to draft a left tackle because uh, they feel good about Andre Dillard. They don't need to bring in Jason Peters. They're being patient, which they can afford to be because you know with the offseason program not being a thing, they can wait and pull a. Darren Sproles and bring him back right before training camp. They don't need to be in a rush to do this. It's only May. So um, I think for the, for the Eagles, this is a situation where they're going to slow play it. And the longer they slow play it, the more the, the, the whispers are going to rise and the voice level is going to rise regarding Jason Peters, whether they do it or not. And I think this is, this is going to be able to segue into our next conversation, but this just makes me think like, so if Dillard, if they decide they'd rather sit Dillard for the second straight year, um, you add to the fact that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside wasn't ready to actually play as a rookie, and then Jalen Hurts, if in a perfect world, is not going to play at all for at least a year or two. I mean, not maybe not however they use him, whatever. The point being, that's like three high draft picks on guys that weren't ready to play for a team that's supposed to be a contender. So, I mean, it, we, we've criticized how he's draft picks plenty, but I think this <laughs> this would be like the biggest black mark on his resume if he keeps drafting guys that just aren't ready to play right away. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a great spot to be in. It's it's like you're you're trying to build towards 2021 without considering 2020, you know. And they did that with 2019 a little bit too. Yeah. Okay. Now to, to transition to Jalen Hurts, um, a big topic. Andy Dalton signed with the Cowboys a day or two ago, like shortly after he was cut by the Bengals. It was a one-year deal, I think, with incentives. It can be up to seven mil. Uh, in reality, it's like a one-year, three million dollar deal, and that kind of spurred a conversation on Eagles Twitter and Eagle with, among Eagles fans uh, about whether the Eagles should have just done that and signed a veteran like an Andy Dalton or a Jameis Winston, who's somehow signed for one million dollars, which is just absolutely crazy, uh, with the Saints, instead of using a high draft pick on a on a backup quarterback. Um, what, what, what was kind of your read on this whole situation? Where do you stand on that? Uh, as far as Andy signing with, with Dallas? Well, as far as as far as far what, what the Eagles should have done. I, I mean, look, from my perspective, they should have gone veteran. But I also understand where they're coming from and the fact that if you do sign somebody like Winston or you sign somebody like Dalton, you're going to be in this same situation next year. And I think that's something that they really kind of brought up after drafting Hurts is that, you know, Nate Sudfeld wants to start somewhere else. I mean, you know, cue the laugh gallery, but um, they viewed this as they want to develop a long-term backup and signing Dalton really doesn't solve that problem. It just prolongs it. Instead of paying a guy three to seven million dollars a year to back up Carson, it, you know, I mean, like you said, Winston signed for a very cheap deal. Um, 
But I mean, I, I think, I, I don't know. It's like very weird. It's kind of hard to, to put your mind on it. I, I, th- I feel like your, your kind of point is it's not an either or thing. Like it's right. Correct. Like the, first of all, Dalton wasn't even available when they, I mean, I guess he was going to be blah, blah, blah. And James only signed for a little bit or whatever, but like when the Eagles saw Jalen Hurts on the board, they weren't thinking about the fact that they hadn't signed a veteran guy. Right. Yeah. I think that's fair. Thank you for, for being my uh, uh, <laughs> translator to the audience. Um, Your yeah. Jedi master, if well, you will. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, it's true. I have enough hair to be a Padawan, I guess. Not the lockout, but the um, quarantine. Uh, so what I'll do, yeah, sorry. I got so much going on in the brain right now, I guess, but, uh, um, look, I think from the Eagles perspective, they wanted a young backup. They did a lot of research on, uh, developmental QBs in this draft. They really liked James Morgan, but they fell in love with Jalen Hurts. And I think from their perspective, they needed to get a long-term investment in that backup QB role because it is a very important role to them. Um, they've given Nate Sudfeld three years to kind of develop. And actually, I initially thought he was a loser in, in this situation. But when you really think about it, if they have Hurts playing in specific packages, they're going to need to dress three quarterbacks like the Saints did last year with Bridgewater, Breeze, and, and Taysom Hill. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the perfect comparison, the Saints situation, honestly. Well, yes, from, from a situation standpoint, I, yeah, yeah, completely. Not like not like roles or whatever, but like in terms of, like Sudfeld's probably the actual backup quarterback, while Hurts will play more kind of thing. Right, and so, you know, a lot of people jumped on the, hey, this is a message to Carson, or hey, they're worried about Carson's injury history. Well, let me explain something to you. Jalen Hurts is not going to be ready to play quarterback in the NFL next year. No. So from that from that outlook, that shows you that the Eagles aren't concerned about the immediate future with Carson Wentz and his injury history. They're cons- more concerned about the long-term effects of those injuries. In, in saying that, you're, you're looking at a guy who's going to be a long-term asset. So if Carson makes it through 16 games next year, you're fine. He's still got to develop. You weren't planning to play, you know, Hurts as a starter anyway. Now, when you get to 2021 and 2022, when Carson's extension comes into play, you've got to be able to have a cheap, backup behind him but you also need to develop that cheap backup he's got to be able to move similarly to Carson he's got to be able to throw similarly to Carson you've invested a ton of money in Carson Wentz so if he goes down you still have to look smart somehow and have very meaningful insurance and that's what Jalen Hurts was they didn't want to spend a fourth or fifth round pick on a backup quarterback again and then be stuck in a similar situation with Clayton Thorson they wanted to go with the guy who they loved all of his tools they just needed to develop him. And I think that's what they did with Jalen Hurts. I, I think the idea of him playing special teams is idiotic. The idea of him playing wide receiver kind of doesn't compute with reality because of how difficult the wide receiver position is to play in the NFL. I also don't think playing him at running back makes a lot of sense because those are the least durable players in the entire league. Um, if you give him a package where he's a wildcat quarterback for three to five plays, whatever, that's fine. But I think risking injury and risking uh, delays to his development the way you have with Andre Dillard potentially makes no sense. So 
they're going to have to find a way that they can develop him as a quarterback, have him focused on being a quarterback without disrupting the, the quarterback ecosystem that they're trying to build in this, in this quarterback room with, with Wentz and Sudfeld and Hertz. And I think that's going to be a challenge. I think that's something you can't just think through on day two of the draft. And so they're going to have to figure that out, but bringing in somebody like Dalton only prolongs your problem. What are you going to, the next year you're going to have to draft a quarterback and, or you're going to have to sign another veteran backup. Like, I don't think having a short-term fix in that quarterback room is good for Carson long-term. I don't think it's good for the Eagles long-term, at least from their outlook with the way that they value the backup quarterback position. I, I agree with all your points. My only counterpoint would be if the choice is using a second round pick on a backup quarterback, that's not going to play versus signing Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston for one year for cheap. I would have chosen the veteran guy. I would for sure like if, if you, if, if it's all about percent, like if the Eagles had drafted Jalen Hurts in the third round, this is a much different conversation probably. Um, and I think that's kind of, I think that's one of the main concerns that some people are expressing. And I, and that's kind of where I agree that I understand the idea of developing a quarterback long-term, but if they didn't so royally mess up the Clayton Thorson pick last year, they wouldn't be in this position. And right. if, and if they didn't overdraft jail I and mean, they didn't overdraft him, cause I think he was a second round player, but I don't know. Like, I mean, we've, we can't, there's only so many different ways to talk about the fact that they shouldn't have drafted him in the second round. But I think that's the issue I had with the, with the whole thing. Well, yeah. And I, and I think I agree with you completely. I think when we have to now, now that the pick is in, we have to kind yeah. of look at it from their perspective and, and, and realize like, this was something they wanted. It, it wasn't something that they just were like, Oh man, he's on the board. Let's grab him. They clearly thought about, thought this through at least for an hour before the pick was made. They, they have some, I mean, look, Howie Roseman met with him at the senior bowl. This was not like a by chance sort of meeting. Um, they were looking into backup quarterbacks and this was something they clearly wanted to get done. I don't know if they expected to spend a premium asset, like a second round pick, but that's what they did. And so, you know, waiting for Dalton wasn't necessarily in their wheelhouse. They clearly talked about it. They discussed every move in advance. I think they're, you know, despite the perceptions, they are a relatively smart organization. So I think they had to say to themselves, well, do we wait for Andy Dalton or do we, you know, solve this problem for the next four years? And I think they went with the long-term outlook. I mean, GMs don't just look at this season. They look at the entire picture. And and the thing is, too, is and I said this on Twitter, I don't think that NFL teams scout or make decisions with doomsday implications the way that fans and writers kind of project. And so I think from their end, if they can, you know, develop Hurts, because from their perspective, they think they can develop quarterbacks. They had Nick Foles here. They had Carson Wentz here. The jury's still out, in my opinion, on their ability to to in, you know develop quarterbacks. That said, they've developed a veteran who has a lot of experience, who had some very high highs and very low lows. They developed a guy who was a top two pick, and now they're looking at a guy who was a second round pick. They're not trying to develop another fifth rounder. So I think from that standpoint, it was a smart investment from their perspective because they're not really trying to reach for talent if that you know what i mean they're not trying to squeeze talent out of a out of a half half used bottle of ketchup you know what i mean yeah yeah i think that all makes sense um all right let's transition to what we wanted to talk about next uh you, you did a 
early uh, 53-man roster projection after the draft. Uh, we kind of want to run through that and kind of analyze why or why not you had some guys there at this stage. This obviously is going to change quite a bit, and they'll still probably add some players before the season. But um, this is always a fun activity after, after like, the, the main part of the offseason goes through. Uh, we'll start at quarterback because we've been talking about that for a little bit here anyway. This is pretty obvious. You have Wentz, Hurts, and Sudfeld with Waletta going to the practice squad. I think that makes – Waletta's going to push Sudfeld. He's probably not going to beat him out unless Sudfeld either gets hurt again or has a really bad camp. But um, anything you want to add there or just move on to running back? Yeah, so what I would say is I think the Eagles will dress all three quarterbacks this year. Um, I think you have to, especially if you're going to have Hurts active – on game day and he's going to have some sort of role in offense. You can't be stuck in a Josh McCown situation where McCown has to play even through injury because Nate Sudfeld isn't active. Um, I think they learned from that. I think they need to have three arms ready to go. You can't just move Greg Ward out to quarterback, um, especially if it's a make or break game. So I think they'll have all three quarterbacks active. Now uh, there are new rules regarding the, um, the CBA and the rosters. So now practice squads are 12 players. Uh, effectively, you have a 55 man roster heading into the season. There's a main 53 players, but two players can be moved from the practice squad to the 53 man roster, making it a 55 man roster um, every week. And then you can, you can move guys up and down on the practice squad twice before they have to clear waivers. So, it's very confusing. Uh, I mean, the NFL is kind of, some people have worded it as a 55 man roster. I've worded it as a 53 man roster because that's what it is. You're basically just getting an extra two tag alongs. Plus now uh, you can have 48 players active as opposed to 46, but one of those extra players needs to be an offensive lineman. So you're, you're bringing up guys from the practice squad, giving those guys opportunity. And I think that's really interesting. I think the running back position is pretty interesting, especially because the Eagles haven't really added anyone outside of undrafted free agents and bringing back Corey Clement, which happens since the last podcast. I don't think we need to dwell on that too much. I don't think Clement's a lock to make the team by any stretch, but as it currently sits, it'd be pretty bad if he didn't make it. Um, you have Elijah Holyfield as the fourth running back with uh, Michael Warren, Adrian Killens, the two undrafted guys missing the cut. I think Warren's pretty interesting. I think him and Holyfield are probably going to fight it out. For the fourth, if the if it sticks, if it were to stick like this, I think Warren and Holyfield are battling it out for that fourth spot as like the power guy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, that's what I had. I just went with the Holyfield because I know I have coaches on record saying how much they've liked him for a really long time. Yeah, and um, they got him at the end of last year, so he's been able to learn the system. Right, exactly. So he has experience. Uh, Warren was passed over by the entire league seven times at least, so. Uh, you know, I, I mean, as much as his college back, look, this guy put up crazy numbers in Cincinnati over the last two years, but he needs to show he can, he can ball at the NFL level and Holyfield hasn't really stood out in, in preseason action, but we know for a fact that the Eagles like him. So I'm going to go with that. I will say, I do think the Eagles add a veteran running back at yeah. some point, which I think would knock Holyfield or Warren to the practice squad regardless. Or Clement um, off the roster if he had a bad training camp, I guess. Right, yeah, I think Clement makes the roster if he's healthy. It just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those things where I think, you know, as much as we talk about them needing a power back, Boston Scott's been able to pick up short yardage. Miles Sanders has been able to pick up short yardage. Clement's like the perfect third down complement. So 
Um, we'll have to just see where it goes. I, I don't know if if everybody's going to have the successes of Pounder that Jordan Howard had last year before he got injured. So that's yeah. something they have to keep in mind. So let's move to tight end. Tight end, Ertz Goddard, Josh Perkins with uh, Ellis, Alex Ellis and Noah Tugai, the guy they got for uh, undrafted free agency. Um, I mean, this is pretty straightforward. They like Perkins probably more than anyone else in the league would. Um, Ellis is interesting just because he has a little more versatility in terms of like he can line up as a fullback or whatever, but um, it'll probably come down to those two guys. Yeah, I mean, Tugai got paid uh, pretty well. He got a nice guarantee, but you can roll that guarantee into practice squad money, so it's not like it's that big of a deal. It wouldn't shock me, given these new rules and based on what they did last year, if they only kept two tight ends on the 53-man roster and hmm. called up a tight end every now and then. That actually makes a lot of sense, yeah. Um, so with Perkins, the reason why I have Perkins making it over to Gwai and Ellis is because this team lacks an X receiver, and we'll get mm-hmm. into well, lacks depth at X receiver. Right now, their only true X receiver, I guess in their mind, that's healthy, is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. So if Alshon Jeffrey starts off on PUP, they need a backup X receiver, and Perkins has the ability to play the X receiver. He showed that a little bit in that last Giants game um, in Week 17. Uh, I think he has the ability to play a little bit outside in case of emergency. Um, while I think Ellis is the better player. I just think Perkins offers versatility to cover them at wide receiver. So that's a good segue into wide receiver. Let's talk about that. Which is going to be the biggest storyline all of training camp outside of watching how Jalen Hurts does because they have so many receivers. So, I mean, so they added the three rookies in the draft. They signed Khalil Tate as a practice squad guy. He won't make the team, but, and then they bring back Shelton Gibson, Deontay Burnett uh, and Robert Davis, who all were on the roster at the end of the season. And they traded for Marquise Goodwin, by the way. So they, they have Deshaun Jackson. You have Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rayor, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Greg Ward, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, John Hightower. Um, I, I think Desha- Deshaun Rager and Arcega-Whiteside are probably the ones you could say are like locked in. Greg Ward, I think, is pretty safe, though. I don't wouldn't say it's like 100%. Um, and then so you have Goodwin, Hightower, Quez Watkins. And then if they had a great camp like Burnett or Davis, I guess. But um, Hightower... So purely based on like the kid's personality and seeing his some of the videos that have come out about him on on Twitter and like there's this video of him on uh on his bike where he's not using his hands and he's like doing all this like he's like going through his backpack he's taking a selfie like all in the span of being on the bike and I'm just like I'm all in on this kid he's gonna be great so I agree with the John Howard Tyler making the cut but it'll be between him and Quez and then there's the Alshon Jeffrey thing is gonna loom until the moment Alshon Jeffrey's off the roster the question is gonna be when is he going to be off the roster yeah sure I mean look. They're keeping six guys on the active roster at least. Um, I could see if Jeffrey is on the roster, maybe they they boot Ward. But like, I think they they like Hightower. Hightower was, in my opinion, an interesting pick. He's going to have to show that he can get off press. He's going to have to show that he can get off the line. I'd imagine he would be the backup X receiver uh, behind Arcega Whiteside or Rager, maybe that guy, but. Um, if they start without Alshon Jeffrey, this is a very small wide receiver group. They're very yeah. fast, but you know somebody needs to get off press and somebody needs to be able to make you know contested catches and plays in traffic. And I'm just struggling to see who that's going to be at this point with high with High Towers lack of like bulk and Arcega Whiteside's lack of development last year. Um, Rager might have to play the X receiver spot and that's kind of a weird for, you know, projection for him because I think he'd be favored more with, with some space. 
<clears throat> that said, you know, he's got Marquise Goodwin, he's got Deshaun Jackson. They're all, all three of them are very similar players. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, we saw Greg Ward excel towards the end last year. I don't think he's a lock to make the roster, but I think he's a good bet. Um, it, it helps that him and uh, Carson Wentz are pretty close, I think, too. Yeah, I, I do think Carson will have some say in who makes the team as a wide, at wide receiver. Quez Watkins, he and, and Hightower are pretty redundant. Hightower's just got better size. Um, what, to me, and I said this on, on the radio the other day, Hightower and Quez Watkins seem like makeup picks for, for Matt Collins and Shelton Gibson in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think you can get Quez Watkins to the practice squad. Somebody's already blowing me up saying, I don't know if I'd let Quez Watkins be available to all the teams. It's a little early to say that. Well, he's a six round. He was a late six. Yeah, round. Exactly, he, was yeah. Available, he was available to them already. Yeah. yeah. If they loved him, they would have gotten him. Uh, so yeah, let's move on to offensive line because I think that's very interesting. And I've already gotten a lot of flack for, for how I've developed this offensive line, but I'll explain my reasoning after you. So go. I actually agree with the main one. I'm you're probably getting flack for is Jordan Mailata being cut. Um, I actually agree with that. I, he, like we've talked about this before. Like the dude just hasn't played football still. And he didn't even practice the team all last year. And I think Prince Tega Winogo is a, has a higher ceiling than my just purely based on the fact that he's played football really. Um, but you have the obvious ones making it. You have Dillard, Sayamalo, Kelsey, Brooks, Johnson, Pryor, Jack Driscoll, uh, Tega Wanogo and Herbig. And that's nine. Um, the ones are just missing Luke Jurigo, Suo Peta, who the team really likes. And then a bunch of random guys who have no shot. And another factor here is if they did bring back Jason Peters, that could either push somebody to the practice squad or off the team or, or they, they do a phantom IR thing with Prince, which I think is a possibility. Yeah. Especially because it sounds like he's not 100% still. But I think I I agree with your nine. I might even have projected 10, and the 10th probably would have been Opeta, not even Mylata. So here, here's why I didn't do 10. Um, because with this new these new yeah, rules, yeah. You're, you're bringing up an offensive lineman off the practice squad pretty much every week anyway. So you have a 10th guy. He's just on the practice squad. Um so you got a guy like Luke Jerigo, who I think could be an interesting Jason Kelsey heir, uh, a parent, uh, Suo Peta. I've got them both on the practice squad. Look, Jordan Melata, my thinking on Jordan Melata is eventually he's got to do something. And I don't know if you, with, with this shortened off season, if you can really develop him, similar to what we talked about with Andre Dillard, if you can take those next steps, he's either been on IR or PUP or whatever, throughout his tenure here. And it's not like he's really been able to get the practice rep. So at some point you have to decide when the project is over. And I know a lot of people love Jordan Melata, but you really, maybe they can sneak him onto the practice squad, but I don't know if he's really going to be ready to be a backup left tackle in this league at this point. And you have Prince Tega Winagu, who also has pretty limited experience as far as, you know, draft picks go. I mean, he, he only played, limited high school football he's but he's been a starting left tackle in the sec for two years so yeah that's a big step up from from you know never playing a meaningful game in your life so i i think driscoll they view as an interior so i I, i'll get into this really quickly i think there's no swing tackle this year what they're going to do is they'll have swing linemen but they won't just be for just tackle or guard matt Pryor is going to back up right guard and right tackle similarly to how big v did it last year. Jack Driscoll's going to back up left guard. Um, Nate Herbig's going to back up center. 
and then Prince Tegawanagu is going to be the backup left tackle. Now, if they bring in Jason Peters, obviously Dillard changes that, but, but yeah. it's still the, the same line of thinking where Pryor would be the main backup for right guard, right tackle. Driscoll would be the backup left guard. Prince would probably at that point be a healthy scratch every week, and then Herbig would be the backup center. I just don't see how you um, fit uh, Jordan Melata comfortably on this roster. Yep, I I I totally unless he comes out and uh, you know he he's supposed to make progress again last year from the first year if he makes significant progress and all that potential where it got him hyped up to a ridiculous amount that rookie year like if he keeps on progressing then they'll keep him but I don't know it's hard to believe that he was able to really do very much in that whole year off anyway. Um, so now defensive line you have the obvious ones Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Derek Barnett, Malik Jackson, Josh Sweat, and then the bubble ish guys Hassan Ridgeway, Sharif Miller Jannard Avery that's four defensive tackles five defensive ends missing the cut Dacian Hollow I actually think might wind up just going on PUP since he tore his ACL at the end of the year uh like really late in the year and I think they like him but I mean it doesn't they don't, if they don't like him that much they can get rid of him but Joe Osman would be one on the bubble uh Anthony Rush played pretty well down the season last year Casey Tuhill is a freak athlete that they got in the seventh round and Matt Leo is the guy that you talked about earlier. They got with the international thing, but they, they can just put him on the practice squad. But anyway, uh, I think the interesting thing is Sharif Miller is probably fighting for his roster spot with Two Hill and Joe Ostman and, and maybe Anthony Rush, I would say, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they've got to decide who that ninth defensive lineman is. I think Jannard Avery and, and Sharif Miller are probably still on, you know, uh, scholarship because they've invested two recent fourth round picks in them. Uh, the Eagles don't like cutting fourth round picks that early. So um, look, they, people bring up Jordan Melotta, right? All the time. They've shown a ton of patience with him. They're not going to show patience with Sharif Miller, who, <laughs> who, projected yeah, who, as, football, yeah. who projected as a project anyway. So I, I think yeah. Sharif Miller gets, gets the call here, especially with uh, Vinny Curry not back yet. I do think there's a possibility that Vinny's that Vinny is back, but um my my tenth guy, if I kept tenth guys, would be Casey Tuhill. I think he's a very interesting player. Um, he and Jannard Avery are kind of competing for that Joker role where you can move him around. Uh, I as much as I put Avery on here, I don't love his chances. Um, I just think the fact that the Eagles traded that fourth round pick to get him gives him at least a better right. shot than that's, the other guys you had getting cut, kind of thing. Yeah, that's why he's on this list. That's yeah. look, the single reason. You know what I mean? He's he's an interesting player. Like he's a good athlete, but he didn't really show much of anything last season. So well, and he can't. Here's the problem with him too: is he can't be a full time backup defensive end. He's too small. He's not going to be able yeah. to run. So you're you're in the situation where it's like you're going to have to use that extra practice squad guy pretty regularly if if you have an injury because they typically want to keep four guys strong. Um, and so hopefully Sharif Miller shows him something because Josh Sweat's going to be the first guy off the bench on either side. Uh, they like him a lot. He, I, I really think his development was very underplayed last year. I think he did a really, really good job of uh, becoming that third guy in the rotation, even when Vinnie Curry was here. So uh, now we move on to maybe the most peculiar position on the <laughs> roster. It's definitely the worst linebacker group in the league. For sure. I was just about to say that. I was going to say, like, I'm pretty sure – I can say with certainty that this is the least talented linebacker group on paper in the league. Um, so, I th- so we were going to talk. We can just uh, lodge this in here now. You were going to we were going to talk about whether they should bring up Radham 
I still don't necessarily think they should because I don't really know how much he has left anyway. But I agree. This group is pretty, pretty like you wouldn't fault them for bringing a vet. There's some veterans still available. Um, they're not really that exciting. I mean, Alec Ogletree, Mark Barron, Michael Kendricks. He didn't really leave on great terms. Darren Lee, Montez Perfect. <laughs> I mean, that'd be fun for the media. That's not going to happen though. Um, that's pretty much it of guys that are worth even really considering. Uh, Manti Teo. Yeah, anyway, no, no. hard. <laughs> it's not a very exciting group, but to get into your predictions, you, you have the streak continuing of, I believe it'll be three straight years where the veteran guy they signed at the beginning of free agency doesn't make the team. Um, and th- that order was Corey Nelson. Uh, I guess technically Zach Brown, he, he made the team and then he was cut eventually. And then you have Jutavis Brown not making it. Uh, and I know you watched some film of him. I know Jimmy Kemsky did too. He said he wasn't very good. Uh, so that means you have Nathan Gary, TJ Edwards, Duke Riley, who are the probably starters as of right now in a base defense, which they don't really run very often. Then they, the rookie Davian Taylor and Sean Bradley, and then uh, Alex Singleton making it with only two guys that aren't making it. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think this is kind of like a given right now until they sign somebody else almost. Yeah. I mean, the group is pretty small. Um you know, Dante Olsen's very interesting. He's one of the undrafted guys that they signed. Um, look, Brown is a guy who I would cut regardless of what happened in week one just because you don't want to guarantee his salary. Um, you know, the Eagles have been known to do that. You cut a guy who's a, who's a four-year veteran, and then you bring him back after week one, and then his contract isn't guaranteed. They did something similar with Orlando Skandrick last year. Um, but... Like, my thinking is Alex Singleton was one of their best special teams players last year. He's really good for the locker room. He's really good for energy. He's kind of their new Brian Brayman in a lot of ways. Um, And then I think Sean Bradley is an interesting player because he does have a lot of raw tools and needs a lot of development. But he strikes me as a guy who's going to be a long-term special teams ace in this league. I don't think he's a starter, but he can play middle linebacker in theory. Uh, Davian Taylor, uh, initially I was extremely high on this pick because I really like his, you know, his measurables. I I think he's got a ton of potential, but I also think they're going to have to ease him into play being the starter um, moving forward. So uh, I think for now they'll start with Nathan Gary and TJ Edwards and Duke Riley, and then go on from there. Duke Riley, the team seems to like, he's got the respect of his teammates and, and everything. So I think that plays into him making the roster as potentially a two down player. Yeah, I think that checks out. All right. Corner is a group that looks a bit different, or at least like two of the starters will likely look different. Um, you have Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, Nikhil Roby Coleman, Sidney Jones, Craven LeBlanc, and Craig James making it with Razul either getting cut or traded. Um, then Trevor Williams, and then a bunch of guys that don't really have a chance. Trevor Williams is a guy people forget about, but he actually is an experienced NFL corner. So if he was going to beat out anybody, it'd probably be Craig James, but, uh, Craig James is one of the best special team guys last year. I mean, this is a pretty straightforward group. Razul is kind of the wild card. They kind of need to figure out what they want to do with him. Seems like there's no interest in a trade, so I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I think it's time to to um, I think it's time to kind of move on. I mean, they've kind of put it out there. Um, and, and you know, from my perspective, I, I think he's probably better off getting a change of scenery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I would say about that. I think when I was constructing this, I, you have to 
like I know everybody wants the six best corners. That's not always going to be the way that a roster is constructed. You also need a guy, if, if he's a six corner and you're keeping him active on game days, he's going to be really good on special teams. Craig James was second in the team in special teams tackles. He can play all three spots. You need that versatility when you have guys like Avante Maddox and Nicole Roby Coleman and Craven LeBlanc making the team. Craven LeBlanc, by the way, who we're all big fans of, is in very serious jeopardy of making this roster. Like, yeah. If Trevor Williams has a good camp, I think he beats out Trayvon LeBlanc because he has the ability to play outside and inside. Um, that's like a really big matchup to watch. Um, LeBlanc, when he returned from injury, didn't really play a lot on special teams. If he doesn't return to special teams, I fail to see how he makes this roster because he's really only a nickel corner. I mean, I know a lot of people think that he can project outside, and he can in a pinch but not in a way that you'd feel very comp, uh, you know, comfortable with him, you know, playing extended snaps, extended minutes. So um, that one's one to watch. I could see Rasul Douglas. If Rasul Douglas has a huge bounce back, you know, camp, you know, off season, maybe he beats out LeBlanc, but again, he plays special teams, but he's not that great of a special teams player. Yeah. All right. Um, so safety, I think is an interesting group. Um, Jalen Mill, you know, I can't, it depends on how quickly like Kayvon Wallace is ready to play. Because if he's this would, would also impact the corner position. Because if like Parks and Kayvon are like good enough to be impact, I wonder if the Eagles would consider moving Mills back to corner at some point. But you have McLeod, uh, Jalen Mills, Will Parks, Kayvon Wallace with Marcus Epps, Rudy Ford, and Graylon Arnold, guy who Howie Roseman has been going out of his way to hype up a few times. Um, I think this, I mean, it would probably be the fifth one here. Is probably you know, competing with like Alex Singleton or one of those guys for the, one of the last roster spots probably. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Cause Rudy Ford's a special teams guy also. So. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that utility, you know, spot that fifth safety or the sixth linebacker or the 10th defensive lineman that's going to come down to special teams. It always does. Um, I was looking kind of at their 53 man roster from last year. And it's just like these numbers kind of match up with what they need. I, I don't see how they go into uh, the season with any less than five cornerbacks, four safeties, and five linebackers. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the, the last like three or four spots on the defense. Special teams is the same three guys as always. We don't really go through that. Um, we can wrap up in this way. So what, where, where do you see them still adding? Cause their Eagles always add a couple veterans before training camp. Usually they're guys that are like, they're either bringing guys back that were on the Eagles the year before or whatever, or they're on the bubble guys who maybe they can make it on the team. But it sounds like you think running back Jason Peters and a linebacker would be the three spots they would look at. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I see it is you're going to have to invest in those positions if you're going to invest, because really the depth is not paper thin, but it's not really um, encouraging. Yeah. All right. We can wrap up on that note. Um, we're, the episodes are finally getting back up on YouTube. We're sorry that we went a couple of weeks without it being on there. Now that they are, please start sending us comments again. We would love to start reading them. Send Mike text messages on Eagles extra. If you're signed up, if you're not, you should go and do it. There's still stuff to come. Michael have it on there when the Eagles inevitably do bring back Jason Peters or a veteran running back or whatever. So sign up for that. It's on our website. And uh, yeah, write us a review and we'll get back to you guys next week with the schedule prediction pod. 